trying out some info intro music this week. That was you might have recognized old Crow Medicine Show. Singing a little bit about coming of age in Harrisonburg, Virginia. We picked that one this week because those guys also spent a lot of time down in Boone, North Carolina, which is where Noah and I will be on Saturday. Noah, is this really the first? We, we've talked about the debut for JMU at the FBS level in the Sun Belt. Is this the real debut for JMU this week, well, given what a, happened the first it, couple weeks? It is the, the football Sun Belt debut, so it, it is re- technically the real debut. But yes, it's the real FBS debut. They're going to face a team that – you know, has a has a top ten win already this year coming in. They've got AP votes, or I think number twenty seven. If you keep going down the line after the receiving votes, and you know, it's a quality football team that they're gonna have to face, and it'll be interesting. But you know, we got a four hour drive or so ahead of us, and it'll be a good time. Yeah, and I think I think there's some JMU fans that have about the same drive, whether they're coming from you know Richmond or Harrisonburg or DC or wherever. I think there's gonna be a decent amount of JMU fans were able to get their hands on tickets probably for this one. This one they've been looking forward to. Um, obviously, the Middle Tennessee State game was something they were looking forward to, and it ended up being like sort of more the same mm-hmm. for them when they're used to winning games big at home. This kind of road trip uh, for a conference game against an App State team that's been getting a lot of t- attention nationally, and it—I mean, it'll be an upset technically if JMU goes down there and wins, but it's also you know not a crazy outcome there there is a different feeling than okay well we're going to play at west virginia we're going to play at nc state um it's that kind of road trip for jmu this time around where you know i mean jmu fans will be disappointed if they don't come home with a win on saturday yeah i think jmu fans think they're the jmu's able to win this game and honestly they are they are uh, you know i may wouldn't have said this, you know, in July maybe during media day, but you know after seeing Jamie's dominance the first two weeks, obviously Norfolk State's kind of you know expected, but Middle Tennessee was not expected to really run them out of the building, and they did. And so I think Jamie's got a shot to keep it close. Obviously, both teams have quality defenses to an extent. I mean, App State did give up sixty three to North Carolina, so there's that. But then they came back and followed it up with a fourteen point, you know, only allowing fourteen against Texas A&M. So there you go with that. And, and I think you know it's a winnable game though for Jamie. Yeah. Um. You know, App State has proven to be a good but somewhat flawed team, mm-hmm. which, you know, going into the season, I kind of felt like App State, and at least in my mind, was kind of pulling away from the others as the favorite in this conference going into this year. And now, once again, it kind of looks as wide open as maybe we thought it was going to be in the summer. Um, Troy really went in there and gave them, you know, <laughs> saying they, say they gave them a scare <laughs> is like, Almost, uh, I would say they gave him a heart attack. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. um, You know, very fortunate ending for Appalachian State in that one with the hail mary to end it, um, batted around until it falls into the hands of the Appalachian State receiver who kind of scoots around the outside and gets into the end zone. He got a good block. Yes, he he did get a good block. Um, So when you look at what Appalachian State has gone through the first three weeks of the season, it's been. An event with a capital E, like every week of the season for them so far. Yeah. And this is another one. It's, you know, the reignition of a rivalry that I think both of these fan bases really like. They designated this the the Black Saturday mm-hmm. game, which um, I'm coming to find out is a pretty big deal down there in Boone. Um, they chose JMU game for that. Um, so it's going to be another sellout crowd. Um, it'll make two sellout crowds. It'll be the third straight home game for Appalachian State with a sellout crowd. JMU's got one the next week when they come back home, Texas Texas State. 
this is where it's getting real for JMU as far as why did we make this FBS move? It's to play in games just like this. Yeah, I mean they're playing in front of a sellout crowd. It's gonna be thirty thousand plus down there in Boone, and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a you know an atmosphere that's gonna be really probably the best atmosphere they've played in this year. And obviously they'll have one against Texas State, and then their next home game after that is Marshall, and I expect that one to sell out too for homecoming. So JMU playing in front of a lot of crowds, you know, it shows that you know it's not an FCS team going in, and this is people are taking JMU for real. You know, with App State selling it out, you know, rather early on, right? It was a couple weeks ago, I think, is when they announced that most seats were sold out, and I expect you know the student guest tickets to be sold out too, and that's the only thing they were kind of waiting on. But they've they've announced it as a sellout, and I think JMU's excited. The the only thing is you got to go in there and you got to play with discipline. Penalties can fly easily, you know, in a in a hostile atmosphere, and. I think, you know, Jamie wants to go in there and silence a crowd of 30,000. I think that would be kind of cool for them to do. Yeah. You know, speaking of sellouts, I think JMU tends to not announce sellouts until they make the student tickets available, make all the and everything available, and then, like, what's this all claimed and sell? That's kind of what we saw with this Texas State game coming up. But you will notice if you, you know, visit JMU sites, you see the, the banner ads at the top. They're not even advertising Marshall tickets anymore. They're, they're straight to Georgia State as far as, like, what they're <laughs> advertising and pushing for sale. So you, you can kind of read between the lines there that there's – not there's not going to be anything left for the Marshall game. It, it, if there's anything left at this point, um, that's going to be sold out. So, yeah, like he said, it's these kind of crowds that you're looking forward to. Um, it's a completely different kind of situation where a rivalry game for JMU, if you could call it that, last year and the years before, was to drive over to Richmond and play in a small stadium where more than half the fans there were JMU fans. <laughs> and it's not going to be that when you go down to Boone. It's going to be a completely different situation. More more closely aligned to probably what they faced at North Dakota State last year, the playoffs and you know, previous years when they made that trip. But maybe with a little bit more turnout just because it's an easier drive. Granted, yeah, JMU fans travel, but... <laughs> yeah, there'll be, there'll be some JMU fans there, but they'll be you know outnumbered and probably you know outshouted by the App State fans. Um because that's the new reality. If you were a JMU fan and you wanted to go to JMU road games in recent years, tickets were always available. And they were cheap. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's you know, hard to get them now going to App State. It'll be hard to get it down at ODU. And next year when you go to Marshall, it'll be hard to get those tickets. And at Coastal. And, yeah, and um, different ball game. You know, road games are going to be actual road games for JMU now. Yeah, I mean, that's the, it is. And they haven't played one yet, obviously. And this one will be a quick eye-opening experience for the, for these guys and, and especially the younger players that are playing key roles right now which I guess we'll touch on a little bit but definitely for those younger guys yeah get to the game on the field we've talked about you know everything in the stands and outside the stadium and everything so far but get to the game on the field what have been your early impressions of Chase Bryce this season you know he's a guy you know we kind of looked at the quarterbacks around the Sun Belt the JMU had to be concerned about especially yeah. given their young secondary what are your early impressions of him the first few weeks? To me, it's been a little bit up and down for him, and though he's managed to come out on top more often than not. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who, you you look a couple years ago, struggled with turnovers you know, at Duke, and he transferred, goes to App State, plays really well last year. And, and this year, you know, pulling up his stat, he, he, his turnover, he's not struggling with turnovers right now. He's only got one pick through the first three games, nine touchdowns, 700 passing yards. He's playing well. He's leading them, you know, he led them, I guess, over A&M, which they really just hand the ball off a lot, kept control of the clock and, and did that. But, you know, he led a 40-point fourth quarter against UNC, which is, you know, if, it's hard for anyone to do that against any team, you know, especially Power 5. So that 
that gives you two. So he's gonna be their first, you know, true quality quarterback they faced, and I think it'll be a good challenge to see if the secondary is really ready for the challenge. Yeah, and looking at the two deep that just came out today, um, you know, one thing that I saw one fan point out was you know Chauncey Logan wasn't on the two deep, but given, um, I guess two weeks ago at this point almost, um, that he played pretty well against Norfolk State. Will we see him do some get get some snaps? I do kind of wonder if you know the main concern when they went in to the game against Middle Tennessee State that Kirsten May pointed out was they're going to run a hurry up. We're not going to be able to make substitutions if we need to in the middle of a series. <laughs> Appalachian State will kind of allow for that a little bit because they're going to run the ball. They're going to be a little bit more traditional in that regard. Will that make a difference for JMU? Now, as they're kind of starting to find younger depth in the cornerback position where there's been that concern. Yeah, they've got the depth there, and I think, you know, getting him in against Norfolk State was probably a good thing for JMU's defense. Obviously, you know, now Chauncey Logan won't be making his debut at App State. And you got Brent Austin, another true freshman that's on the 2 deep, and he'll play a lot of snaps as well. So I think passing-wise, you know, they'll be fine in the secondary. They've got more depth than maybe people thought coming into the year, and I think that's a good sign. But, you know, obviously App State's going to run the ball, and, and JMU's strength right now in defense is run defense. So we'll see which one gives. Yeah, I— I'm not predicting, you know, less than 20 yards rushing from App no. State this week as Jamie has been able to do the first two weeks. They've only allowed 20, period. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, it, it it's going to be a, a completely different challenge. But is Jamie's defense up to the challenge to the point where they're not going to let that run game really hurt them or destroy them the way App State is capable of doing in some teams? I think they are. And I think, you know, the biggest goal for this defense, you know, key to the winning this game is eliminating the big play and as long as you you don't let them break off a 40-yard run or a 50-yard pass I think you've got a shot to, to, to stop this offense on the field you give up those big plays and it's going to be kind of a long afternoon yeah and we, we're talking about you know the defense facing their first real test you could you know just flip it to the other side and say the offense is doing that too um, but not I would say not to the extent because App State's defense has been up and down this year yeah but I would imagine they're going to be better defensively than what we saw from Middle Tennessee State, and especially from Norfolk <laughs> State. So what kind of numbers are we expecting from Ty Touchdown? Are we, is this going to be a Ty Touchdown game where he's you know putting up huge numbers again like he's done so far? And if you're you know just joining us, Ty Touchdowns is Todd Santeo. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about him, though, that helps kind of in this situation is he's very dynamic of a player. He can run, he can pass. So – He's not one-dimensional, and, and teams are going to have to prepare for that. So he either can beat you with his legs or beat you with his arm. And then he can also turn around and hand the ball to a stable of running backs that might be one of the best in the conference. So in that sense, I think, you know, you're not going to see you're not going to see a six-touchdown toddy touchdowns performance like you saw against Middle Tennessee, but I think you can see a 200, 250-yard, three-touchdown day out of toddy touchdowns if everything's going well. Yeah. It seems like it's been forever since we've seen JMU on the field. It, really, it hasn't been that long. You know, bye weeks happen. But uh, just to come this early in the season, to me, it just seems like it's been a long time since we've seen a game. We sat through a whole Saturday last weekend with a lot of disappointing Sun Belt performances, and JMU was kind of just uh, sitting back and watching it all. My pick all. almost happened. Yeah. Yeah. That w- we can get back into that in a little bit. It was just like how disappointing overall the week was for the Sun Belt Conference. But – the bye week for JMU, it came at this time. I've been kind of of the mind all along that that was a good timing for JMU. 
then the more you sit and you just kind of like get in your head about things, um, how, how big of an advantage can that be for JMU that they're coming in off this bye week? I think, you know, in this situation, it helps because you had a week to, pre- you have an extra week to prepare for the, your best opponent you're going to play so far at this point. And I think that that's a positive because, you know, Kurt Signetti, a film kind of guy, he's probably watched the UNC game about 38 times by now. He's probably watched the Troy game, which happened on Saturday, probably like 10 times by now. You know, this man lives, eats, sleeps film. And I mean, that's just what he is. I mean, he said it himself. It's what he does in his free time. You know, it's just a thing he does. So, you know, I think it's positive. They have these games that they can break down. App State had to prepare for Troy last week, play a game, and turn around and try to prepare for JMU starting on Sunday. So JMU's got a head start on them preparation-wise. And so, theoretically speaking, if they can execute their game plan, they should come out on top just by having another week. Yeah, and I would think even some of the things that they did to prepare for Norfolk State, we're in preparation for Norfolk State, but in some ways to use that game as a preparation for Appalachian State, this is almost like a three-week preparation. It's like almost getting ready for a bowl game for JMU, <laughs> like the amount of time they're able to game, spend um, on this. And with the level of excitement that you know is almost you know an apt analogy. But sometimes you see teams come in over those bowl games with the long layoffs and you know look out of sorts a little bit. What are you expecting just from JMU as far as their sharpness and being able to execute what I imagine will be a pretty solid game plan going into this one? Yeah, you know, I don't think that a week layoff will hurt them that much. I don't think we're going to see a sluggish start, a rusty start. I think, you know, a week off at this point in the year is okay. They're not sitting on their their, their couches for two weeks, you know, so I think they'll be fine. But, you know, I, I expect JMU to go out there, and, and I think if they, they can, if they can execute whatever game plan they're drawing up this week, they've yeah. got a shot. And JMU hasn't had um... – too much injury issues to deal with so far but um i saw you pointed out that as the two deep came out on tuesday morning uh solomon van horse was back on there on special teams he didn't crack the two deep on as a running back but um he's listed as a kick returner which was an area where he kind of excelled last year Mm -hmm. um he's also a guy who um we've talked about you know wayne knight being able to fill his role and he hasn't really shown that here early in the season, he, he's struggled with it when he's got his hands on the ball. Um, uh, a young freshman, he's got time to get that together. But he kind of also adds that, you know, receiver out of the backfield. Uh, we've even seen him occasionally line up in the slot and things really mix things up. He's a guy who I think uh, maybe kind of an unsung addition here going into the third game of the season. I think he is. I think, you know, coming off of – you know, missing the first two games, he'll now have an opportunity to, to be dynamic. And, and first of all, you don't have to put Chris Thornton back kick return anymore. And, and Wayne Knight was also back there kick return. So we could see Wayne Knight's role diminish a little bit on the field just because Van Horse is back and he's a he's a proven commodity. Knight did have a good game against Middle Tennessee. Don't discount him there. He had a 14-yard catch. But then against Norfolk State, he couldn't really get running. So, yeah, I think Van Horse brings that – brings the. A different kind of skill set, you know. He'll he'll line up in the slot. He can he can catch. He can run and, and things like that. So I think it's good to see him back. They should probably also get a guy like Reggie Brown back. You know, Signetti talked about that talked about that after Norfolk State. Like he could have gone, but they kind of were like, eh, there's no need to push it. So he'll probably go this week as well. Yeah, and it's not always all all on you when you're talking about a kick returner. You know, he's got to have some holes and lanes to run through when he gets the ball. But you're looking at a guy who wants to show something mm-hmm. because. He's kind of he, he's buried in a deep running back room right now. Very deep. I mean, he's a talented guy who could be getting carries somewhere. It's going to be tough for him to get a lot of carries 
at JMU. I mean, I'm sure he'll probably get some just in the regular offense. But the special teams then becomes a real opportunity for him to show what he's capable of and kind of make his mark on this team, um, which just generally speaking, when you look at JMU with their depth in certain places, it seems people say the right things anyway publicly about, you know, where they stand on the depth chart and, you know, everybody kind of doing their job and everything. He's a guy who can sort of embody that if he comes out and kind of gives them a different dynamic on the kickoff returns. Not that they've returned a lot of kicks so far this year. I imagine he might get a little bit more of an opportunity, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm picturing Appalachian State being able to score at least a few times in this game. Even if it's field goal, he's still got to kick off afterwards. So. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the kickoff return has not been much to see um, for JMU so far this year. It hasn't happened very much. They haven't really broken anything off. Um, but we have talked a lot about, you know, starting field position, things like that, where they've been really good. So getting him back at this time really does seem to be kind of, you know, a, a positive, potentially bigger bigger uh, gain than maybe people are thinking even, just looking at a guy who won't get a ton of carries. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been back here before. He won't get the carries, but he can, you know, own his role as kick returner. And, you know, if he busts one back for a touchdown or he gets some good starting position because that's going to be key. And Jamie's been fortunate to have some good field position, which obviously probably won't be as common this week. And, uh, yeah, he can help flip the field a little bit there on kick. And we haven't seen the huge special teams play out of JMU no. really yet this year. They haven't really been out there much. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, just, you know, not kickoffs. It could be anything. Like, you haven't seen a punt, block punt, punt return. And they've gotten some good punting in the few times that they've had to punt this year. We also and, haven't seen Kansan Wise make his first kick yet. Yeah, I mean, we'll give him credit. He's been perfect, I think. Was it nine for nine? He's nine for nine uh, on, on, on extra PATs. points. Yeah. He, he did get one his first field goal attempt block against yeah. Tennessee. But. Yeah, so we haven't really seen him put to uh, put to use too much. But, you know, it is, I guess, encouraging that he's been able to be at least automatic on extra points where, you know, at some point they're going to have to call on him to do more. But it's a little less of a concern maybe um, that it looks like after the first field goal attempt of the season – Early on, that was their first possession of the season, wasn't it? It was early in the game, yeah. But, you know, being 9 for 9 on extra points isn't something to, you know, rush by because college football, extra points aren't a, a given, you know, given thing, guaranteed thing, you know, like they are in the NFL. I mean, we've seen a bunch of extra points get missed kind of this season already, and so it's good to, you know, have his confidence built up already that way. So when the event he's called on to get an app to go out there and kick a 30- or 40-yard field goal, he's got confidence at least for making something. Yeah, it, it... – when you just look at the special teams overall, it's been solid but remarkably unspectacular. And I imagine you take that if you're the JV coaching staff. But at some point, you know, you might need that big special teams play to really break things up and, like, change the momentum in a game when you're getting against teams that, you know, at least we suspect are going to be more evenly matched here over the next several weeks. Yeah, I mean, you're going to need it. And, I mean, we've seen Sam Clark. He kicked the 60-yarder. I think he's averaging 40 yards punt-ish. He has a 60-yarder on the year already. So, And his spare time being used, I mean, they've used him a couple of times in Middle Tennessee game, and they've used him a couple of times, I think, against Norfolk State. You know, he's done the job, and he's done what he's got to replace a guy like Harry O'Kelly, who, you know, not only a fan favorite, but a pretty pretty reliable punter as well. Yeah, and give him credit for uh, doing a pretty good job of getting those inside the – 10 inside of five uh do it just doing his job this was what everybody on special teams has 
tended to be able to do so far. Um, yeah, it's you look at this one. We've been kind of recapping JMU, and there's not a ton to say just because of how lopsided JMU's games have been so far. We talked about Chase Bryce. Who else on App State's roster is somebody that you feel like is like maybe who? We're about to head over to Jamie's football practice. Who are they talking about over in the Plucker season right now, other than Chase Bryce? There's a couple names, and it's Nate Noel, and it's Cameron Peoples. You know, running backs for App State who get the job done. They, they, you know, you talk about Jamie just being a deep backfield. They've got a very deep backfield too. They've got three guys back there that can start basically anywhere in this conference, and. And that's going to be a, a spot where I think, you know, Jamie's run defense wants to pride itself on holding people three yards or less on attempt, and we'll see if they can do that against one of the premier running backs in the country and, and with those three guys. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, that has been that was kind of the word on Appalachian State going into the season. Uh, there was some concern about, you know, what they might have at wide receiver. It ended up being, you know, one of those wide receivers that made the uh, game save and play. I think they're okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on Saturday – how much of a concern for App State is their defense right now? Where, like I said, it's just been so up and down. It's um, given up 63 points to North Carolina, where, as we're seeing, North Carolina has a really good offense, but 63 points against anybody is a lot. And then you turn it around and completely shut down Texas A&M's offense. And then you got something a little bit in between against, you know, what I think is probably a pretty solid it's a good Troy, Troy team, team yeah. but... But we don't know exactly how good Troy's offense is right now. I I have really no idea what to expect defensively from Appalachian State this week. I don't think a lot of people do. I mean, you want to see them put up a consistent performance, and they've kind of been up and down a little roller coaster for them. And I think could either continue the roller coaster or they become consistent. You know, and we'll see what happens. But that's probably what App State's looking at. They're probably like, if you put a consistent defense on the field, you win the game. If you have what you have the whole season, it's mm, don't know. Do they have anybody that will just disrupt things? Is there anybody who's going to be chasing Todd and Taylor around or like making picks, causing turnovers? Um, but we've seen, you know, JMU players make those kinds of plays. Yeah. Who from an App State side are we? What names are we going to know after this week from App State's defense? Yeah, there's two. It's Nick Hampton, who is their linebacker, who leads the conference in sacks right now, I believe, and and you've got Stephen Jones Jr., cornerback, an All American corner last year, you know, back for them, and he's they're both, you know, they make that defense run in. And specifically looking at Stephen Jones Jr., a guy that Chris Thornton's going to probably line up across from most of the game. And, and we'll see if Thornton can find his way to get as open as he has against Middle Tennessee and Norfolk State because those teams definitely circled him, and he still found a way to get open. So if you find a way to get open against an All-American caliber corner, I think you know that says Chris Thornton's a pretty good receiver, and we'll see what happens in that. But I think those are the two guys that Jamie's offense is going to try to figure out where they're at in the field and try to go away from them. Yeah, that'll be a completely different situation for them, just like you said. Um, Chris Thornton has been open constantly. Like, he's first walked two, into the first end two games. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's remarkable because you know that is like the priority for the defensive that they faced. It's going to be a different situation, like you said. I mean, they'll probably have they'll probably be, you know locked in on him going against all American cornerback. What do you expect from Chris Thornton? Is this another hundred yard receiving game for him? Like, what, what can we expect from him? I think it's, it's a definitely a way to put – I mean, okay. Realistically, he has 50 to 70 yards receiving, you know. Optimistically, he goes out there, has another 100-yard game and a couple of touchdowns, and he puts himself on the map as one of the top receivers of the country. And it's 
it's a kind of game where you can do that against that caliber of a cornerback. If you go out there and, and tear them up and you have put 300-yard games in a row, three multi-touchdown games in a row, I think you put yourself in a conversation of, you know, being in that one of the top receivers in the country. Yeah, and we've seen Reggie Brown, we've seen Devin Ravenel. We've had they've had other receivers who have made plays this year, which they might have to step up. And but is this a game where there's a lot of pressure on Terrence Green to make his mark cuz he he's been slow to start for the it, season here and there's a lot of expectations yeah. for him this season. It's it's a game where he could break out and I think it might be a good thing for him. He had a couple catches against Norfolk State, had a big drop where he if he turned he catches it turns around might be a touchdown. Definitely a lot of yards on the play. Um, but if he comes out there and he'll he'll have an opportunity to make a play or two, I think just because of the amount of tension Chris Thornton might garner, they may pull a safety over there too. And, and you can open up the field for Reggie Brown or, or him, and then you realize, well, App State's going to have to try to figure out what they're doing because you want to shut down Chris Thornton. There's a couple other guys that can get the job done. So if he goes out there and has a big game, you know, that might be another key for Tatsun Teo to kind of open up the offense a little more. Yeah, I feel like he's like one of the key players in this game because they just they haven't needed more from him so far. And I feel like they're going to need more from him at some point. And this week might be the week where they really need, you know, a big play or two from him. And no more drops when uh, you, you've got nothing but green in front of you. That was, that was a tough one against Norfolk State. Okay, before we wrap it up, you've made preseason predictions. I know neither one of us had Jamie winning this game when we made their predictions in the summer. Has it changed at all for you this Okay, I'll tell you what I told my guy Dave Rigger on the radio earlier this week. I said the score will be 24-17. to 17. Can go either way. We're going the neutral approach on it. Can go either way, but 24-17, just write it down. That's going to happen. I think one team's going to score 30 points or more. And I, I'm with you. I'm not sure which one it's going to be. But um, you know, I could see it being like a 31-24 type of game. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think you know the line that has App State savored by about a touchdown Makes a lot of sense. But you do need to factor that when they set these betting lines, you do, I think, get a three to three and a half point favorite for being the home team. You do. And, um, yeah, and I think I think it'll be an upset to some degree if JMU goes down there and wins. Oh, it will be. But <laughs> to the point, it's an upset in the point where I'm not going to be shocked. And I think if JMU goes down there and wins this one, then we kind of try to have to reevaluate what makes this a successful season for JMU, given the eleven game schedule, no bowl game, no conference championship, anything like that. Then you kind of maybe reevaluate what the goal for this team going forward is, because at this point it's not just like okay, we want to prove we can have a wing record in the FBS. Like, <laughs> I think I think I think though there's a legit shot that JMU can like really disrupt things in the Sun Belt race that they're not really a part of. We've heard Isaac Gugu talk about it, you know, earlier this year. Just because they can't win title game doesn't mean they can't win a regular season title there's nothing saying jamu can't win the regular season east title yeah well i've been saving this joke for if they won but you know they could win the ap national championship there's nothing that preventing them from being ap national champions if they go 11 or no they can't play in a bowl game but that's just voted so on. so are they going to make themselves a ucf are they going to print rings and get no rings no and... <laughs> the ap national championship voted on by the ap voters is a real thing and it has nothing to do with the college football playoffs. Technically, it has nothing to do with the bowl games. There's been teams that have been on probation, couldn't play in the postseason, have won. Okay, guys, listen here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, No, I was going to say that joke for if they were 3-0. and But since it kind of came up organically, there, you know, 
I am joking about an AP national title, but maybe an AP ranking or something is something that uh, becomes a goal and a significant achievement for this team down the line. They kind of have to start thinking about if they can win on Saturday. That's a big if, if, and that's after Saturday. We'll talk more about that next week when we come in here, recap the Appalachian State game a little bit, look ahead to Texas State. Um, we'll always have plenty to talk about when it comes to JMU football this year. Of course. But for the most part, that's going to wrap this one up. I'm Shane Metlin. You've been listening to me and Noah Fleischman. This is the Purple and Bold podcast from the Daily News Record. And thank you for tuning in.